Hello, everyone. I'm Christy Murphy, and welcome to WEF's Words on Water podcast. Today, we are talking with Sarah Kane. She is Director of Research and Development at GT Molecular. Sarah and her team take a deep dive into what's in our water and what can it tell us about the communities we live in. I started this at this company in um, 2020, uh, let's see, March of 2020, actually. So pandemic was in full throes at that point. And I remember being in my postdoc um, and at Colorado State University and just feeling like, you know, here I am as a molecular biologist, I should be doing something to help out this pandemic because of the lab that I was working in was shut down. And so I joined the, the team at the time and there was just one other person. So I, I am employee number two, which is a lot of fun. And I sort of grew up with a company in a lot of professional ways. And so now I currently serve as director of R&D, like you mentioned. And what that means is that I have a, a team that works under me that I work very closely with, you know, communicate with day to day. How's your experiment going? Did anything weird happen? And what we tried to do is we tried to develop tests for various pathogens and cancer. And we also, um, our specialty, you know, our specialty is in uh, digital PCR. Um, so we have had the BioRad droplet digital PCR system for several years now. And so what we do is we we develop tests for these digital platforms. And then we also work with wastewater samples. And, uh, you know, the, the reason that we work with wastewater is because there's a way that you can sort of get a, a full pulse of an entire community through the wastewater. And it's this really interesting epidemiology trend that's really gained a lot of traction in the COVID-19 pandemic. And so, um, yeah, that's that's kind of the overall rundown. They call it wastewater surveillance. And that kind of sounds a little scary, but uh, really lots of people know what that means since COVID. Right. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're looking for in the water? Sure. And I do think that surveillance, you know, it is appropriate, but it does kind of have that kind of weird connotation to it, doesn't it? And so yeah. it, it's almost like, you know, the government surveilling or something. And it's not like that at all. I would, I prefer wastewater-based epidemiology because it's really a way that you can assess the public health situation. And COVID is a perfect example of an example, the utility of wastewater-based epidemiology. And so even though it's an upper respiratory infection for, for the most part, um, there are viruses that are shed um, from feces. And so we can take a sample of wastewater, concentrate the viruses, and then use this PCR technique um, to quantify it. And then what's really cool is that you can, within one community, just uh, watch for trends. So you want to look for big peaks and um, you want to make sure that, you know, you have a pulse on all the, the COVID variants that are going on. And so there's a lot of different techniques that you can use for wastewater surveillance. So tell me about the tests that you use right now and your connection with BioRad. Sure. Yeah, good question. So we developed the test, which is just primers and probes. And so what those do is they, they recognize specifically the COVID genome. And then there's this amplification using enzymes. And then there's a fluorescent marker that basically brights up these little droplets. And so with a BioRad system, what happens is you have your wastewater sample that you've concentrated and extracted. 
and then you put the GT molecular primers and probes in with the sample. And then on the, the droplet digital PCR platform, um, there's this reaction that occurs in these little emulsions called droplets. And at the end of the PCR cycle, you have droplets that are either positive for COVID or negative. And then there's some really cool statistics that happen to be able to quantify and say, okay, there were actually 100 genome copies within that one sample. So then you just do some simple algebra and you say, okay, well, that represents, you know, 100,000 copies per liter of the starting material. And, and what do you see in the future when it comes to uh, testing wastewater? There must be a lot of information that you'll be able to discover because of these tests that you that you have. Right, that's a great question and great point. There's there's really no reason to think that this stops with COVID, right? So there are so many human pathogens that we can pick from wastewater. You know, we have GI pathogens, we have skin pathogens that can end up in the wastewater stream after you take a bath, for example. Even upper respiratory pathogens can end up in the wastewater. And so really, in my opinion, it's endless. You know, you can take one wastewater sample and the whole goal that of our work is to be able to test for multiple pathogens at once. And it actually doesn't even stop there. So you can monitor for opiate um, samples and other illicit drugs from wastewater as well. And that's something that we're looking into. And, you know, I would just like to say that the CDC has put in a lot of effort and money into wastewater surveillance moving forward. And so I don't think that this is going to stop with COVID. Um, and actually, we were awarded an assay development bid through the CDC where we're going to make tests for a panel of 30 different targets. Opiate um, surveillance. <laughs> Tell me about that. That sounds fascinating. Sure. Yeah, and I think this all comes down to the fact that we are actively in a situation of, of a public health crisis, to be honest with you, Christy. And this is a way that you can anonymously test what's going on within a community. It doesn't, you, you can't pin it to a certain individual, but you can ask, you know, do my fellow community members have problems with opiate abuse? And you can look for trends over time again, and um, you can, you know, have responses accordingly. So you can have some outreach programs if you see that there's a huge spike in fentanyl, for example. And so there's there's ways that you can you know monitor for opiates as well. And then ultimately the, the goal is to have some outreach um, for communities that have big speaks, uh, peaks and spikes in opiate detection. That's really interesting because it is a national crisis and Almost all communities are being touched by it. But with the results from your testing, that gives those communities somewhere to start and then where to go. Correct. Yeah, so data is powerful, right? So you if you you don't know what you don't know. I know how you know silly that sounds, but until you have an idea of what's going on, there's nothing that you can really do about it because people have a lot of shame. People don't want to go seek help help, for example. They don't want to, you know, feel discriminated against. So the data that you can get from wastewater kind of allows the opportunity for public health officials to say, okay, we have a problem here. We're going to go, um, you know, do some community outreach. We're going to go talk to people. Um, we're going to make sure that people know that they have a support system here. I'm wondering, in the past, long, long time ago, um, we 
didn't probably have all these tools to be able to actually test for these pathogens and test for opiates and fentanyl. Uh, what was it like before these tests were developed and these ways to actually use digital information to tell sure, a story? Yeah, great question. And this is really interesting as far as the history of wastewater surveillance goes. It actually starts back into like the 1930s and 40s. There was this medical doctor, his name is uh, John Paul, and he's from, he was from, um, I believe it was Philadelphia. I don't know if he was from Philadelphia, but I know that he practiced in Philadelphia. And he noticed that um, there were a lot of children getting sick with polio virus. And he had kind of noted that the sewer system was really, really close to this pool that the kids had been using. Um, and so his hi whole hypothesis was that there was transmission from the sewer system. And so the techniques that he used was he would actually go take the wastewater and he would try to infect cells. And that didn't work very well. But what ultimately showed that you could transmit polio from, from sewage is that he infected monkeys. And so now, you know, with this molecular biology era that we find ourselves in, we don't have to use animal models. We can use this droplet digital PCR technique now. You know, we don't need to have, you know, an entire vivarium, which is just, you know, animal housing. You know, we don't have to infect animals. We can just monitor it biochemically, which is really powerful. Um, so yeah, again, you know, back in the day, it was all about kind of a, almost like a brute force technique. We have this hypothesis that there's a pathogen there, so we're going to go infect something with it. Yeah, um, I'm glad things have progressed since then. Me too, <laughs> me too. Sarah, what type of clients do you work with? Sure, we have clients that have all sorts of different titles and roles and positions. Um, we have some academic institutions that send us samples from dormitories, for example. Um, so those you know, are deans and professors um, along our client list. We also have wastewater treatment facility operator clients. Um, we have um, personnel from public health laboratories that send us samples. Um, we have academic groups um, who have you know, large collaborations um, and they send us samples for sequencing, for example. Um, and then we also have a contract to the CDC. Um, so technically, you know, we have a, a contract to the government as well. So really the types of clients that we have are very vast, I would say. You guys are busy. Very busy. <laughs> Sarah, as we close, why did you get involved uh, with the water sector? What made you want to, you know, stick your toe in the water, so to speak? Sure. And that's it's a really interesting question. And it's it's um, probably a non-traditional answer that I have for you, Christy, because, you know, I am a trained molecular biologist. I research uh, prion diseases for my doctoral and postdoctoral work. And I think um, really I got involved with the water sector because of the COVID-19 pandemic. I remember being a postdoc and the lab shut down and I felt like I have all these skills and knowledge that I can help out with the pandemic. So why not um, you know, get involved with some collaboration that's been going on for the, for the pandemic? And so that's how I got involved with wastewater-based epidemiology was through joining GT Molecular. And our CEO and co-founder, Chris McKee, he has another company um, that is very involved with water quality monitoring. Um, they design sensors, for example, for turbidity, salinity, et cetera. And so 
we kind of naturally progressed away from just you know molecular biology into you know the sort of intersection between environmental engineering um, and public health as well. And so it's a pretty non-traditional way that I got involved with water. Um, but I think that I'm just one of many people who are sort of a repurposed academic, you know, somebody who had been working in academia, but then the COVID-19 pandemic hit and, you know, we feel very passionate about helping humankind. And so, you know, I sort of pivoted and I thought that wastewater-based epidemiology was a really interesting and applicable field for the pandemic response. Sarah Kane with GT Molecular, I want to thank you for being our guest on Words on Water. And we hope to be seeing you again soon or hearing from you again soon. Absolutely, Christy. And thank you for taking the time. I've had a lot of fun chatting with you. Great.